Hey guys, welcome back to Joko Yo, and uh, thanks for uh, listening, for your continued support. I mean, this thing has gone a whole lot farther than I ever thought it would. It's, it's, it's meant to be fun, it was always meant to be fun, but dang it, people aren't listening to it. What do you know about that? And today, I want to just give a little bit of a heads up to our listeners. Um, we're going to, in this one, broach upon a topic that is that can be pretty sensitive to some younger people. No, there are no cuss words in this. And no, I'm not going to get all, like, I'm not, no, that my place is not to get political, nothing like that. It's, no, but it does deal with a piece of our history that is going to be a little bit, I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely our history. But not all of our history is so fantastic. And we're going to go into a place today. This is a part one and a part two situation. And today we're talking about a man that moved to Johnston County that, I don't know, sort of he sort of got disillusioned. And again, there's a part two tomorrow that's about another guy with his very same name. With um, we're going back into the 1800s um, in this case, and and we're going to deal with with well, you know, the biggest event in the entire United States in the 1800s was the thing that happened almost smack dab in the middle of it, and and sort of defined us as a nation for better or for worse. Um, and it and of course we're talking about the American Civil War, and and well, we we know how that turned out. I mean, if you if you know any history at all, you know how it turns out. And that was a pretty bad time, obviously. It's also, depending on who you speak to, a pretty bad time for people afterwards. Again, depending on who you look, who you're talking to. For some, I mean, that so many people lost so much in the war, and a lot of people lost a lot after the war as well. Because just think. With the fall of the Confederacy and the southern states, you know, that, that comprised it after the American Civil War, well, then that's going to come to the question, what do you do with these states that, that formed it? You know, what do you do with the people? What do you do with the property? I mean, property that, that's actual real property and also, you know, perceived what you think you can own. And, and should some states be treated differently than others? And, and then, the, then the big question, what to do about the cause of the war, which was slavery? Now, okay, look, without getting too deep into this, some people say that it was states' rights, and I've heard it for years. And as a historian, people say it's states' rights that caused the war, not slavery. I want to say, okay, so if you can determine what states' rights actually means, then what rights did the southern states think that they were, were, were being violated? Oh, yeah, the right to own slaves, so slavery. Okay, so now that's settled. And even if slavery was eliminated by law and force, you know, well, I mean, that, that, that's a different action. But, but, I mean, it's simplistically accomplished. I mean, it's, it's difficult, but it can be done, you know, make a law, enforce it, done. But how do you eliminate the racism at the heart of the South's version of slavery? Because unlike other countries' version of slavery, it, it's... It's racially based. You didn't really have that as much in, in other places. This is this is like you, you know. 
Changing laws, again, is one thing. Changing minds is a whole other conversation to have. And if you can guarantee that, and, and when you do, you know, eliminate slavery, and then you do try to change people's minds, you can guarantee that there will be resistance to both, no doubt about it. And, and that resistance will guarantee you increase the more you try to change either one of them, the laws or the minds. I mean, do you treat the seceding southern states as brothers that disagreed and they decided to fight about it and then they lost and as brothers you welcome them right back in to the supper table once the fight is over? That's what Lincoln wanted. Dog, he had a hard job. Do you treat them as traitors against the country and punish them accordingly? I mean, they did fight and kill American soldiers in a rebellion or, I mean, or in combat at least. And to those that say it was not an attempted revolution, again, consider that one of the goals of the Confederates was to capture D.C., the nation's capital. If you go and take another country's capital, then you pretty much, that that's a revolution. It's messy. And then when you decide on the course of what you're going to do, whether traitors or brothers, then when you decide on the course, then you've got to implement your plan. That's going to have loads of consequences, intended and unintended. When Lincoln was assassinated, the chances of a quick reconciliation with, you know, freedom, I mean, it's going to it's going to die with him. Lincoln understood or at least believed that the more you push the South's nose in their lost cause as they wanted to call it, so to speak, the anger they were going to get. And the anger that they got, the more likely they would eventually push back. Now this plan, his plan, was to make them ratify the 13th and 14th Amendment, which would outlaw slavery and extend formal citizenship to those people that deserved it and their descendants, and then stop. That was his plan. He said that only they can change their minds. It was his job, you know, to change the law, or at least Congress's anyway. It should also be noted that, like in nearly everything, not everybody agreed on secession. I mean... Or, or war in the South. I mean, lots of people said that either of those moves, uh, the secession or war, was complete insanity. Andrew Johnson, Lincoln's successor, he, whenever Lincoln was assassinated, I mean, he was an absolute jerk of a man. But he was right about the fact that the fortunes of the majority of the people in the South were being dictated by a tyrannical few. Now, you can also argue that you allow yourself to be dictated, but at, it's not exactly that easy to, to go against, you know, and, and as Thomas Jefferson said, it's not that easy to go against the law or, or, or your community. For example, hey, newspaper editor William Woods Holden, um, he, he wrote, a, he, was a, he was a Whig, which was a, the, the party that came in opposition to Andrew Jackson and sort of served as a forerunner that, well, the, 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 op, the opposing party to the Democratic Party. They, they had a newspaper, and, and this was the Whig newspaper of, the, of North Carolina. He wrote against secession in 1860, and, and there, was a previous, there was a previous episode about how we even had, a, we even had a, a, an anti-secession convention in Smithfield, in which is like people were saying, this is ridiculous, this is insane, in 1860. Winwoods Holden was even sent to the North Carolina Secession Convention where they were going to vote to secede from the United States. He was sent from Wake County because he was against it. He was going to be sent as a vote to say, y'all, get your heads on straight. 
And then whenever Lincoln called for volunteers, he switched sides because in from from his words again, I can only go on the records for his words. He said he could he 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 opposed secession, but he opposed shooting his neighbors more. He opposed slavery, but he opposed shooting his neighbors more. And Holden, when the when the Civil War happened and they had a, a Confederate government, Holden remained an outspoken critic of the Confederate government, and he even ran as governor or ran for governor of North Carolina in 1864 as the I'll quote peace candidate. He wanted to stop this war right now. Win or lose, stop. It should have never happen to begin with, he, was, he would say. He lost, of course, overwhelmingly. But three counties actually wanted this, wanted this peace governor, even only three counties out of all of them. On the other hand, of those three counties, Johnston County was one of them. Now, one of those three Johnstonians that actually wanted peace was a guy named... William Edward William Pugh, and it's spelled P-O-U. Now, William Edward Pugh was originally from South Carolina. He moved with his second wife, Anna Marie Smith, to Smithfield in 1866. His first wife died, and they moved here after the war, of course, one year after, and after spending some time in Alabama. Now, according to Mr. Pugh, he did fight for the Confederacy because he wanted to defend his family and his neighbors. He did not defend slavery. He said he had always been opposed to it, he, he said, and was an abolitionist at heart. And most people he knew were, he said. But saying so out loud was not really possible if you wanted to protect your family. He may have been encouraged, you know. Um, you see, after the Civil War was over with, there were people started coming out of the woodwork because the government had changed. And... You know, William Woods Holden, you know, because of his views and the war was over with, even though he had lost election for governor in 1864, and the new president, Andrew Johnson, wanted guys kind of like him, kind of like him, William Woods Holden was appointed governor by Andrew Johnson in 1865 once the South, or once North Carolina had been, had been you know, conquered. And as North Carolina was occupied territory, so he appointed someone that shared some of the views, some of them. And so it was understood that an election was to be held once the war was over later that very same year. Now, Johnson did not agree to the idea that North Carolina should be a military district and occupied. He thought that North Carolina should just come back to the Union with a new governor, you know. So Holden, in 1865, when the war is essentially over, Holden ran to keep his office and William Edward William Pugh campaigned for him. But... You know, you're a conquered people. The state did not want him. Holden wanted equality for all people. That's what he said. So did Pew. That's what he said. Pew was a national unionist slash Republican, as was William Woods Holden. But the state was not. State felt bitter. State felt bad. I mean, it lost. And it chose a man named Jonathan Worth as governor. Now, Jonathan Worth was opposed to secession before the war, but he was also opposed to equality, racial equality as it is. He was opposed to the Freedmen's Bureau. He was opposed to the 14th Amendment that, that guaranteed equality. He was opposed to a new North Carolina constitution that guaranteed equality. In other words, like many North Carolinians at the time, he felt bad. 
He just wanted to go back to the way things were before the war. Of course, that would mean that the last four years would have been for nothing and it would make the condition possible for another war. So, I mean, I understand wanting to go back to the good old days, but y'all, the good old days were not good old days. At least not in this case. The old North Carolina Constitution specified that North Carolina governors could hold office for only two consecutive years, and by 1867, it was time for a new election which was held in August of that year. Now, in 1867, having made a little bit of money, Pugh is going to address a gathering of Johnston County residents and freedmen, and he's going to urge those freedmen to support Republican rule since that would be the quickest way back to the Union and to actual real prosperity that they really had never had before. And with that, and after things went ridiculous, Holden won. Now, the the guy that he beat, again, the previous governor, Jonathan Worth, he said that the new constitution was illegitimate, the 14th Amendment was illegitimate, which was a sham, so to speak, and he said, and therefore, this election was illegitimate, and he refused to leave office. The dude refused to leave the office. How do you refuse to leave? He refused to leave. He refused to leave office. What do you do? What do you do whenever you the dude lost election and he refuses to leave? Well, Pew and a, and a handful of other guys are going to march up to Washington and ask for military's help to force him out, which is exactly what they do. And so when word gets out that Edward Pugh of Smithfield and some other guys are going to go up to Washington to force, to, to make Jonathan Worth leave the office, he, I mean, he's in office for seven months illegitimately. He left in July 1st of 1868, but again, seven months after the fact. So soon after coming back, pro-worth people reacted to this scallywag, as they called William Woods Holden, and also Edward, William Edward Pugh as scallywags. They, 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 they referred to the guys like this and others loudly and violently. There was a guy named John W. Stevens. He was a Republican senator from Caswell County. He was not a very popular man in a large portion of the white community, but he did work on behalf of the Freedmen's Bureau. He was not, again, a very nice man. Some said that he was simply an opportunist, but when he was assassinated, a sitting senator, when he was assassinated by the Klan, who pretty much claimed that they did it, they supported Worth in 1870. When he was assassinated by those guys, I mean, they, they lured him into a place and, and they killed him. And alarms and fear exploded. Adding that to an earlier situation where you had a guy named Wyatt Outlaw in neighboring Alamance County, just north of that. When you add the assassination of John W. Stevens to an earlier lynching of a man named Wyatt Outlaw. He had, he had belonged to the 2nd Regiment U.S. Colored Cavalry in the Civil War and was a member of the Republican Party. He was appointed by the to the town council of Graham, North Carolina by William Woods Holden. When that happened, the KKK let loose, riding through town and terrorizing black citizens. Outlaw, this is Wyatt Outlaw, he came out and started shooting at the Klan, and they responded by lynching him. Holden responded to both activities by declaring martial law in those counties and hired a guy named Colonel George Washington Kirk to handle it and suspended the writ of habeas corpus for those people that were guilty of these actions. 
Kirk arrested 100 people. A lot of them were known Klansmen, and a lot of them were actually in the county governments. He chased some into Chatham County, where a battle ensued in the, in the forest. And this is known in North Carolina history as the Kirk Holden War, and it terrified everybody. They had just gotten done with the American Civil War, and oh my goodness... And even though even though Holden even though Holden was on the right side of history, it resulted in a backlash against Holden and the Republicans because people did not want to see this happen again and they see it happening in their backyards. And they lost the Republicans lost the legislature that year, and in that election and in that in that election, Klansmen rode around, suppressed votes intimidated and or bought enough Democrat votes that they were able to impeach and remove Holden from the governorship on a straight party line vote. Y'all, they impeached and removed William Woods Holden from the governorship. It was At the time, it was the only time in American history that had ever happened in the whole country. And it was a straight line vote. That happened in 1871. Holden was right in going after Klan members. But people were terrified of what was going to come next. Good people were terrified of what was going to come next. And bad people too, but terrified of what was going to come next. They said that that uh, that Williams Holden acted too harshly against Klan members and members of the of the community. Well, I don't know that there's, I don't know. It's hard for me to put myself back in the time because it's, this is, re, I mean, the fear that had to have existed on all sides had to have been, like, so thick. And so Edward Pugh and others became disillusioned, it seemed. The next governor also was Republican, but he played politics, and, and it seems negotiated an uneasy truce with the Klan while he decided to work on fixing the state's debt and its schools. He tried, but again, the General Assembly refused to work with him. They refused to get... I mean, they, they cut the governor's staff down to one secretary. And, and I would argue that the governor probably needs, you know, like people to help him do stuff. He couldn't do stuff. He tried. Um, the next governor did. It just wasn't working out. And... And then, but then he also made an uneasy truce with the Klan. I don't know. It, it's it's a tough time. Pew is going to be dis- disillusioned with the with with this with with this dereliction of 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 democracy. It seems, and he did campaign for uh, for Horace Greeley for the Republican nomination for president against the incumbent um, Grant. Which after after Johnson's term left after his term was over with and. And Grant came in the presidency, and he ran for re-election. Pugh's going to campaign for Horace Greeley uh, against the incumbent. Horace Greeley lost, and Pugh left the Republican Party disillusioned because Pugh did not think that Grant was the guy we needed. He thought we needed to go back to the old Republicanism of Abraham Lincoln, and a lot of his party did not. And Pugh is going to leave American politics, leave North Carolina politics. He will eventually join back to the Democratic Party, not not North Carolina version of Democrats. He he didn't like what they were, what they had done. 
Um, he allied himself, or he, he aligned himself with Grover Cleveland's version of the Democratic Party, and he was done. But that's not the end of our story, because his son is going to also get involved in politics. And that will be next. Y'all, um, that, that's it. Um, until next time, coming up soon, talk to you later.